So last week we started this uh, two-week little mini-series called This Is What We Do. And just as a, a, a way of a little review here, we're trying to answer this question. If the ultimate goal for all believers, people who have handed over the keys of their life to Jesus Christ, if eventually we're going to spend eternity in heaven, a perfect, loving place forever, then why are you still here? Why, why would a loving God leave us here in this broken and messy world? Why wouldn't He, the moment we hand over our lives to Him, why wouldn't He zap us to heaven to spend eternity with Him and bypass all the pain and struggle here on earth? We asked questions starting last week like this. What is this life all about? Why do we exist here? What's the point? What are we trying to do, both us as a church and us as individuals who identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ? So we started off last week by asking, well, what is the, this that we do? If this is what we do, what is this? And we turn to Matthew chapter 22, and I'm going to encourage you to go there with me again today. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, it'll also be on the screens. I want to read this, this passage where Jesus is being asked questions by some really religious people, and this is how he answers it. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 22, verse 34. The Bible says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. So they asked Jesus another question, and here it is. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And remember last week, we, we stated that the New Testament didn't exist at this time. They're living out the New Testament. So all they had to go on was the law of Moses and the letters of the prophets. And so basically what they're asking Jesus in this uh, encounter is, Jesus, sum up the whole Bible for us. What's the most important command in the whole Bible? And Jesus answered them, verse 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he finishes in verse 40 by, by making a really powerful statement. He says, the entire law and all the demands of all the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so Jesus says, you want me to sum up the whole Bible? You want me to tell you what's more important than anything else in the whole Bible? two things. Love God, love other people. That's it. Everything else in the Bible, its foundation lies in those two commandments. And so we made this statement last week, and I don't know if you were here and it made you uncomfortable. That's not my fault. Email God because it's what he said, not me. But we said this, this life that you're living here on earth, contrary to what somebody may have taught you all along the way. This life is not about acquisition, accomplishment, or achievement. It's not, it's not about gathering stuff and possessions, because remember we said you're not taking your money or your possessions with you when you die. In fact, according to Scripture, there are only two things that you and I can take into eternity with us. Our relationship with God and other people that we introduce to God. That's all we get to take with us. And, and we made this statement that maybe that's why so many people go through their lives so unhappy here on earth is because they try to make it about things that don't really matter. 
We, we chase after things in this life that we think are going to lead to peace, hope, joy, purpose, and strength in our life, when in reality, they don't have the power to give those things. And so we boiled it all down to this statement. Look on the screen. We were put here on earth to love God and love other people. Love God, love others. And so you may be thinking, so what's taking Jesus so long? If the ultimate goal is that He's going to come back and all people who believe in Him as their Lord and Savior are going to go live in eternity, what's taking so long? And I had a pastor tell me one time, we, obviously we don't know the answer to that. Not, maybe not even Jesus knows. Only God knows the time and the hour that Jesus will return. But here's what we know. As long as He waits to come back, that's more time for you and me to learn to love God more and love other people more. It's practice, right? Because that's all we're going to do in heaven is, is adore God, and we talked about that last week, and, and love others, right? And so last week we also said this, and I think it's important to keep in front of us because this two-week series that we're wrapping up today is really the foundation for the next now six weeks that we're going to talk about here at the Bridge Fellowship. And if you look at this is what we do as the foundation, then starting next week, we're going to spend five weeks on our core values as a church in a series called A Better Way. And what we're going to teach through those five weeks is this. Yes, Jesus died on the cross so that you could go to heaven. Yes, he forgave your sins so that you could spend eternity with Jesus and all the other people who have handed over the keys of their life to Jesus Christ. But he also died to give you a better life now today, between now and your funeral. He didn't, he didn't desire, it was never in the plans, He didn't design it for believers to hand over the keys of their life to Jesus Christ, then live in misery, waiting for Him to come again, then when heaven uh, happens, when, when the rapture happens, and all those big churchy words, then we can go to heaven and be happy. Actually, Jesus said more than once in Scripture, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's now. Like it's already beginning. When you, when you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can experience all those things now here on earth, right? So we want to look at this from two angles. Our lives as individuals, anybody who said, you know, wears a fish on their car or a Christian t-shirt or says, I love Jesus in any way, what does this mean for me? What does it look like to love God and other people in my life today in 2017? What does that look like practically? And then the other angle we want to explore is, what does that look like for us as a baby young church trying to introduce or help people bump into Jesus in the greater Colorado Springs area? What does it mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for us as a church? And so last week we took time to explain this plus and minus, uh, plus and uh, uh, addition and multiplication symbol on this logo. And here's what we said. If everything we're talking about for the next six weeks, if we adopt the mindset that that's our pastor's job or the church staff, it's their job to go love people and reach people and share the gospel with people, listen to me, we will never get there. That's addition. It's like me saying, well, I'm going to win the whole city of Colorado Springs to Jesus one person at a time, and I just go out all by myself and do it. And, and, and listen, I used to battle that. As a pastor, I used to, I used to think, man, I've got to do more than anybody else because they pay me to be a really good Christian and, and love people. And, and 
I only thought that until some wise pastors spoke into my life and revealed to me my actual role as your pastor. Our pastors on staff here, the biblical definition of my role as pastor is to equip you, the saints, to do the ministry. And, and that's multiplication. Multiplication happens when everybody, everybody who identifies as a believer buys in and says, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. I'm going to spread this good news that Jesus loves me no matter what and died on the cross for me. I'm going to share it with everybody that I know. That's multiplication and that's when we really start reaching a lot of people, right? And while we're on that topic, let me, let me drive home this point real quick, okay? Our mission statement says this. Look on the screen. The Bridge Fellowship exists to share the life-changing love with lost and hurting people. And we, we pick three words in that mission statement on purpose. First of all, lost and hurting. We pick those two words because that sums up everybody. Even if you're not lost, and we define lost as someone who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we want those people too. We want to share Jesus with those people. But even if you've already handed over the keys of your life to Jesus, you have a relationship with Him, life hurts, right? Some of you are literally living that right now. We go through good seasons. We go through seasons that are heavy and scary. But the bottom line is, life hurts. And so our message of sharing Jesus' love is for everybody. We're, listen to me. Everybody. I don't care... Who walks through these doors? It's our, relationship, our responsibility to build a relationship with them, to genuinely open our arms and go, we love you right where you are, right? And, and that's what Jesus models. And, but this, the third word in that mission statement goes like this, life-changing. And originally it wasn't in there, and as we got closer to the time to open the doors of our church, I got convicted as your pastor to say, you know what? Here's what we want to be our our mantra around here. And, and we mean it with all of our hearts, so don't miss what I'm about to say. At the Bridge Fellowship, we want this to be a place where it is okay to not be okay. Too many churches, the kinds I grew up, maybe the kinds that you grew up in, everybody is really good at putting on the mask when they come to church and going, I'm good. Everything's good, man. I love Jesus, man. We, we talked a hundred times this week. I, I got no problems because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want people to look down on us. We want this to be a safe place for you to raise your hand and go, broken, struggling, drowning, need some help here. We want that to be a safe place. Here comes the but. But, okay, it is okay to not be okay but it is not okay to stay not okay. That's where the word life-changing comes into because when you bump into Jesus, it ought to change you. It doesn't mean you're going to be up and to the right for the rest of your life and you're going to take off like a rocket and never fall again. Everybody in this room knows that's not true. But the reason we gather here together and we open God's Word and we do life groups and all that, and we'll get to all that in a minute, is so that our lives can look different than they did before we handed over the keys of our lives to Jesus Christ, right? So, this church is not about anyone else but Jesus. It's not about this pastor. It's not about the staff. It's not even about you. And I know some of you just got a little offended right there, but I'm just telling you, it's not about you. You're welcome for that, okay? It's about Jesus, okay? All right, so now, review time's over. Last week, we, we dove in heavy to what does it look like to love God. If you weren't here, go online and look at that. Uh, just a little commercial. I actually sang 
my own song in church last week. Like, I wrote it, and I sang some of it. If you're wondering, I wonder how that sounded. You're going to have to go online and watch it, okay? So, by the way, uh, during our Real to Real series, we couldn't uh, uh, show our, our messages online for copyright laws because we had movies in them, but we are back. It, last week's is already up on the Internet. Go watch that. Uh, I think we're getting our, our podcast back up and running, too, so you can go on iTunes or any place like that and look for our podcast also, okay? So, review time is over. Let's dive into the second half. We have love God. Now look at this. God has us. That means you. You're involved in us. God has us here on earth to love and help other people. That's one of the reasons that you're still here. It's one of the reasons that you and I are not in heaven right this moment. When Jesus is done on earth with you helping and loving other people, he will take you to heaven. If he has not taken you to heaven, that means he still has people for you to love and help. So what we're going to do is just fly through a bunch of scripture real quick. If you're a good flipper, like if you did Bible drill in church when you were a kid or whatever, you're going to do great at this. Everybody else, just relax and look on the screens because we're going to scroll through a lot of stuff here because I don't want this to be Steve's opinion or my words. I want it to be straight from God's word about what does it look like practically to love God other people. So we're going to start at the very beginning, literally in the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said these words. Look, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. It says, then the Lord God said, and this is in the middle of creation. He's created the, the heavens and the earth, and now he's created man. He's created Adam, and after he creates Adam, he takes a step back, and this is what he says about life here on earth. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And I know what you're thinking. No, no, he just meant that every man needs a, a, a wife, right? And, and listen, if you think that, you haven't met all the men in this world that I've met, right? Because there are some men in this world that just aren't going to get a wife, okay? And so, listen, I know what you're thinking. You're like, are you talking about me? That's between you and God, okay? But, but here's, the, here's the truth today, okay? God was not just talking about a female helpmate for Adam here on earth. He was talking about you and me. And what he was saying is very plain. It's not good for you to be alone. And and Steve's paraphrase, let me just kind of read between the lines here. Life is going to be hard enough as it is. Don't make it harder by trying to walk this journey all by yourself. That's what he was trying to say here, right? So let's keep going. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul, and he writes this. I love the way the NIV version, uh, the New International Version says this. Look at this. Carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now if you read that backwards, it says this. The law of Christ is carry each other's burdens. That means you need other people and other people need you. I love how the New Century Version also says the same passage in Galatians chapter 6. Look at this. It says, By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. So here's a statement that I want us to take out of here today, okay? Being with and helping each other is our obedience to Jesus Christ and a way that we can respond to the way that God loves us. And we'll get more into that in a second. But listen to me. You're not doing God any favors when you love and help other people. It's a command. Some of us were sold a wimpy, sad little version of Jesus that's this pale skin, sweet little man holding a baby lamb going, 
if you don't mind, you know, if you get the chance and think about it, love somebody. That's not the voice he speaks in. He's the king of kings and lords of, uh, lord of lords. And kings don't make little wimpy requests. They make commands. And this is a command. Carry each other's burdens. Help one another with your troubles. Look at this one. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And some of you, you it's going to be familiar. And you're going to go, what does this have to do with helping others? And I'll explain it. But this is what it says in the English Standard Version. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Now, a lot of people have heard this verse all their life, and some preacher said, this is the tithes and offerings verse. And if you give a lot of money, God will give even more back to you. So much that your cup will run over. And, and there are even preachers that say, you, you mail your money into me, and God will send even more money into you. And I, I, don't, I know you don't need this newsflash, that's not true. That doesn't really happen, right? Some of you are, are very faithful givers and you're like going, man, I'm giving, but I ain't getting much. Okay, so first of all, let me say this. That's not what this verse is trying to say. This is not prosperity gospel here, okay? If you want to really boil it down is this, okay? If, if you, and it's, this is not the karma verse either. Okay, right? It's not, hey, you do good to other people, they will do good to you, but if you do bad to other people, bad stuff's going to happen to you. That's not what the gospel is saying here. What God's word is saying is, look at me, everything around you is about Jesus and letting people know more about him. When you give financially, with your time, with your talents, with your heart, with your words, whatever it is, it's multiplied. And some of that blessing is inevitably going to splash back on you. But it's not meaning that piles of money are going to show up on your porch. It's kind of like you guys that have been around here for a long time. Remember I shared the, uh, the story about the sonic car hop that came out one time and, and God told me to give her a $50 bill and tell her to keep the change on a Route 44 Diet Dr. Pepper during happy hour, which was only 99 cents. And, and you remember me telling everybody that you know 50 bucks back then was a big deal to my family. In fact, it's still a big deal to my family today, but God said, bless this young lady in this way. And, and remember, she started crying and said, I, I don't know who you are or why you're doing this today, but I'm a single mom and I don't have formula for my kids. And if you didn't give me this tip today, my kids weren't going to eat today. And she began to cry. And, and if you'll remember, I said, as I backed up my truck, put it in reverse and backed out of that Sonic, who got the real blessing that day? Right? That's what this is talking about. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. But I want you to know, it's partly true because it does cover money. Okay? And, and don't walk out. Stay for the whole thing. Okay? Listen to me. All right? Some people have a lot of time to give. Some of you, you don't have very much time, but you got money. And I'm telling you right now today, there is no greater, and, and if you're brand new here, just relax, okay, and ask somebody later. I don't, I'm not like the money preacher. I'll explain that in a second, okay? But listen to me. There is no, no greater investment with the financial resources that God's given you than to invest it in some place that is helping people bump into Jesus. There is no better investment because it's eternal. Even if you put it on Wall Street, that's not eternal. 
It doesn't matter what your stock values are. They can go in the casket with you, but they're staying in the casket. They're not going anywhere else, right? So people ask me all the time, hey, I visited your church for a couple of times, and uh, I noticed that you don't pass an offering plate. Have you guys ever thought about that? Some of you like just went, never realized that. You don't pass an offering plate. And let me tell you why we don't do that. Instead, we have boxes at the back of the door. And I don't want to build walls between us and people that are kicking tires on God. And sometimes, it's just my little opinion here, okay, when a church shoves an offering plate in your face, right, and it passes right by you, it's kind of this guilty moment of, well, I don't have nothing to get, and, and I don't want to do that. I want to build bridges, not walls, right? But that doesn't mean that it doesn't take money to do ministry. And I'm shooting straight with you today, okay? If we're going to reach people, if we're going to love people in our city, here's a newsflash, it's going to take money. It, it is. And, 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 and let me tell you this, we don't just take all this money and, like, this pastor's not getting rich. I promise you that. Like, we, it's, not, it's more than just paying for this building, although this building provides the opportunity for us to do this on Sunday morning. But listen to me. Our commitment as a church is that we are using these financial resources that you give. And by the way, you're giving. Uh, for you guys, I mentioned we're a baby church. We're barely over a year old, and, and people ask me all the time about our financial situation because one of the number one reasons that young churches don't make it is underfunding. People just don't give enough to the, to the church so that they can survive. And I got news for you. We are not in that situation. No, I'm not letting you off the hook, okay? That's, that's between you and God, but I'm telling you, you have blessed us beyond any imagination of how faithful you are in your giving. And I want you to know today, it's not just so that we can pay a staff, open these doors on Sunday, have church, and go, okay, we're good. We want to reach lost and hurting people all over this city, all over this state, all across the United States, and eventually all around the world. Yes, we want to do that. We believe it's, it's in Acts chapter 1. It, it's part of who we should be as a church. And when you give, listen to me, we are, we are painstakingly thinking, how can we leverage these resources to love others in our community? Let me give you an example. One of the commitments we've made, my wife was an educator for 25 years. I spent seven years as a high school football coach and, and history teacher, and, and we love educators. And if you are an educator or you have a teacher in your family, you know what a thankless, underpaid job it is to teach young minds. It just is. And so one of the things we've committed to do with the resources that you guys are giving through the Bridge Fellowship is we said, if nobody else is, we are going to be the church that loves our teachers. And we actually started this little movement called Project Care for Teachers. And we go to area schools and we provide breakfast. And I'm not talking about like a little light continental breakfast. We feed these teachers, and then we, we lavish them with gifts and prizes. Just last week, we were up at Banning Lewis Prep um, as they prepared for this school year, and we loved on them, and, and we gave them uh, all a gift for their classroom, and then we gave away some prizes, and, and they were blown away that a church would enter their territory and do that with, for them. Listen to me, no strings attached. And that's our heart. Like, that, that's what we wanted to do. Um, last year, we did this for another school in our area, and uh, we gave away some door prizes. And one of those door prizes was a $100 Visa card. 
And after that breakfast was over, this lady comes up to my wife and I, and she is just weeping. And my wife knew her a little bit because my daughter went to that school, and she said, are you okay? And she said, there's no way you guys could have known this. But my husband lost his job yesterday. And I realize a $100 Visa card is not going to answer all the problems of my, my husband losing his job, but it was a whisper from God that everything's going to be okay and that he provides. Thank you guys for being the hands and feet of God in my life right? And, and listen, just not too long ago, we did it at Woodman Hills Elementary right here in Falcon. And similar situation, one of our pastors, Randy, walked in there the other day. His kids go to that school, and, and uh, he walked in, and this teacher stopped him and, and said a similar story, and just with, with emotion in her heart and, and gratefulness on her lips, she said, thank you guys for going above and beyond. Nobody's making you do this. Thank you for coming and loving on teachers. And, and so listen to me. It's just a tip of the iceberg. We have this thing in October called Socks Plus, where we buy socks and gloves and take sandwiches down to the homeless here in our city. And, and there are all kinds of ways, dreams inside our head, that, that we will do one day, but it's going to take resources, right? Now, let me let you off the hook. Everybody take a deep breath. No more money talk, okay? Whew, good. It's more than about money. It's about all the stuff that you have to offer. The most expensive resource you have has nothing to do with the dollar sign. It's spelled T-I-M-E. You want to love other people? Give them your time. Just take time to walk over and talk to your neighbor and, and just say, hey, how are you doing? How's life? Anything I can do to help? One of our ladies did that this morning because there was an ambulance across the street from her house before she came to church. She, she gave her time, right? Your talents. You see this band up here every day, every, every Sunday. We're not paying them to be up here. They're doing this because they want to love people with the talents that they've given. Some of you guys are like me, and you'll see that on the video if you watched last week. You can't sing. We don't want you to sing. In fact, if you audition for the band and you can't sing, we're going to tell you, we love you, but you can't sing. And so you're not allowed to be up here on the stage, right? But you have other talents. And, and you ought to be leveraging those things to, toward the gospel, like investing it in eternal things. And the best way you can do that is by loving and helping other people. Let's keep rolling here. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, says this. Look at the key word here, you. Jesus is talking to you. It's not just some, some dudes wearing burlap dress, dresses 2,000 years ago. He's talking to you in 2017. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand so it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works but give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'll just sum this up real quick and we'll move on. Listen to me. If you really mean what you say, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you should live your life at work, in your neighborhood, at the gym, in front of your own family. You should live your life in such a way that the people around you look at you and go, I want what they have. Their life's not perfect, I see them struggle, but there's just something different about the way they handle it. There's a hope inside them that I don't have, and I want some of it. That's what this verse is saying. Just keep going. 2 Corinthians 1.4. I love this one. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation here. It says this, He, Jesus, comforts us in all our troubles 
so that, big words, so that. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Enough said. Keep going. Last week we mentioned Philippians chapter 2, and here it is. Paul is talking. And remember last week we said, hey, if anybody, if anybody in this world has a resume that says, hey, I've got all this, the, the stuff this world want, has to offer, right? I've got degrees, I've got, I've got possessions, I've got titles and status and all that kind of stuff. It was Paul, and remember he said, you know, all that is com- garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Well, then he goes on to say this right here. Look, he's talking to you and me today. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves love others. Let, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can I just call a time out real quick and just say, I know that's hard. I know it is. We said this last week. Our most important interest is us. Like that's the sin nature in us. We want ours We want people to treat us the way we want to be treated. We want to get what we want in our lives. And and that sin nature makes this hard. But listen to me. Don't, Don't mix my words here today. Hard doesn't mean you don't have to do it. Jesus is saying today, let this mind be like you. Look, look or like him. Look in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in a form of God, did not count it equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And, and I heard somebody say one time, this may sound silly, Jesus coming to the earth to be a human is like you making the conscious effort to become an ant so you could save all the ants. That's how big it is. And, and by the way, that's not even a good com- comparison. He, he is God. He, he was in heaven where we're all going to go one day. He didn't have to come down here. At any moment, he could have called on God or done I dream of genie and and wiped all that out and not gone to the cross for us. Listen to me. He did it because he loves you. People say all the time, man, they nailed him to the cross. Nails didn't keep Jesus on the cross. You did. His love for you did. The way he feels about you in spite of the things that you do. No matter how many times you mess up, his love for you and me is what made him keep going. And all he's asking is, hey, I'm not asking anybody to die on a cross. I'm just asking you to walk across the street and introduce yourself to your neighbor. Invite them to your small group or church or or help them in a time of need or walk to the next cubicle and introduce yourself. And don't walk through this life in anonymity thinking everybody will, every man for himself, everybody will figure out on their own. It's too hard for that. Love other people. Look at Luke 19 real quick and we're, we're done with these passage of scripture uh for the son of man jesus saying these words for the son of man came to seek and save the lost makes sense that that's what we ought to be doing too like if we say we follow him we ought to mimic what he did and by the way this passage in luke 19 he's saying this right at the end of his encounter with zacchaeus right like not exactly the most admired man in his community but jesus said i'm i'm coming to your house today why? 
because the Son of Man came to seek the lost. To seek and save. That word sozo that we use. So don't miss this. Look on the screen. You are never more like Jesus Christ than when you are reaching and helping other people. If you walked in here today with the question, why on earth am I here? What is this all about? Why am I not already in heaven? Why am I having to listen to things like North Korea and Charlottesville and all this messy brokenness in this world that I live in? Why are you here? To reach, help, and love other people. That's why you're here. So what I want to do for the rest of our time today, and and if it sounds like a commercial, please battle against that because it's not. Remember I said there are ways that you and I uh, should look at this as individuals, but then what does that look like in the context of the Bridge Fellowship? What in the heck are we trying to do here in this church called the Bridge in Northeast Colorado Springs? How can we love others through this church? And so I'm just going to run through some of these. First of all, next Sunday on August the 20th, we'll have our fall kickoff. We'll kick off a Better Way series, and then right after church, we're going to go out here behind the cafeteria onto the lawn, and when you pull up next Sunday, you're going to see literally dozens of tents set up like a tailgate, and that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be our fall kickoff tailgate, and it's designed for this, okay? Everybody take a deep breath. It's designed for you to get involved in a life group so you can lock arms with people and go, these are the people that I'm doing life with. These are the people that if my life blows up at 2 o'clock in the morning, these are the people that I'm calling. Yes, it's awkward meeting new people. Yes, when you first get to the home where your small group is, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable, I'd rather be at home watching Sports Center or whatever, especially dudes. Like, I'm coming down on you, man, because this is hard for us, right? It's hard for us to try new things and meet new people, but I'm challenging you, starting next Sunday, August the 20th, to push past that. Because when you push past the, the awkwardness and the newness of getting to know new people, here's what you find out almost every time. Here's what you find out. Even though these people are different than me, even though they don't look like me, even though they might have, have uh, different habits or interests than me, they are amazing people and they care about me. Next week, next Sunday, August 20th, challenge yourself right now. Get involved, okay? Here's another way that you can love people. We, uh, in case you are new here, uh, the school doesn't allow us to leave this up all week. They have school and basketball games and PE. And so every Sunday morning, very early, a bunch of people come to this church and this school and they turn it into a church. We call it our setup crew, right? Now listen to me. You don't have to pass a background check, okay? You don't have to, like, we have very low standards here at the Bridge Fellowship, okay? If you want to come and stack chairs and hang pipe and drape, listen to me. We need you. Our goal is to have a a large enough army of set-up people that the same people don't have to keep coming to do it over and over again. Because if you don't get involved and love other people by serving in that way, eventually those guys are going to get burned out and they're going to give up. Then who's going to set this up? And, and if you're thinking right now, well, we pay you, Pastor, you can come set it up. Okay, I don't even know how all that stuff works back there, so we're not going to have church if you leave it up to me. Okay? 
So I'm telling you, you want an entry-level way to get involved in this church and meet people. We have fun, man. We're, we're jamming, we're listening to music, we're goofing off in here. We have a great time. There are great men and ladies who, who's come here every week. Next Sunday, August 20th, there's going to be a tent out there, and you're going to see a sign on it that says, Setup Crew. Go over there. Write your name down. Sign up. Travis will get you scheduled. It's going to be amazing. You're going to be glad you did it. And some guys that carry a heavy load right now, they're going to be glad you did it. And in the process, you're probably going to meet some lifelong friends. Right? Okay? Let's keep going. Life groups. If you're regular here all summer, we've been harping on this message. You need other people and other people need you. We believe that life is better together. We just believe that's true. And so, yes, I'm going to go there again. And, I, and, and in your chair today, we gave you a handout, a flyer, of all the life groups that are going to be offered. And actually, I don't even think this might be all of them. I think there are some that have come since we, we designed this. And so next week, when you go out to the tailgate, and by the way, you know what else is at a tailgate? Food. There's going to be a lot of food, okay? Like, you're going to think we're all out Baptist or, or Methodist people here because they think every time we come and worship God, we have to eat something. And, and next Sunday, we, we are going to do that, okay? Like, we are going to eat out there. It's going to be good. If you don't trust any other tent, come to the Ferris Life Group tent, and you will thank me, right? You'll probably drop to your knees and go, you have changed my life today by what's in that crock pot, okay? <laughs> Cliffhanger. You'll have to come back next week. But we have other life groups that I want to point out. One in particular, this semester I'm really excited about. It's called Financial Peace University. And this is for you to gain a healthy relationship with money. This is not, hey, are you about to go bankrupt and file chapter 11? Look at me. Or chapter 7 or whatever it is. That's not what it is. It's, it's developing a healthy relationship. It's, it's planning well for the, for the back half of your life. And we have guys that have been through this, been trained through this, and they're going to teach through financial peace this semester. I want to give you a commercial today that if you're thinking about doing that, I want you to go back here to the sound booth, and everybody look back there real quick. David, wave at us. David Dirks is back there. He's going to be one of our leaders for that group, and I want you to go introduce yourself to him and say, tell me what's involved to, get it, uh, to be a part of Financial Peace University this fall. And then, yes, they're going to have a tent next week. Go over there, get signed up. We have a ladies' Bible study that happens on, on Sunday nights. Um, here, here's my favorite one. You ready? Yes, we have a life group called Fantasy Football Leagues. Okay? Now, look at me. Are we trying to pretend that that's a spiritual life group? Nope. It has, we are not reading the Bible before we draft, okay? Like, this is, an, this is a, a, a way to reach out to our community and, and, and invite people in, okay? And, and listen to me. This is the third year we've done this. The first year, we only had enough guys to do one league. Last year, we had to go to two leagues. This year, we're going to three leagues because guys and ladies, ladies, listen to me, come kick some butt. Okay? Like, come do fantasy football. If you love it, come, come humble your husband or some other men in our, in our church, right? And, and, and show them how to do this, okay? We have this thing that we're kicking off on September 12th. It's going to be the second Tuesday of every month, and we're calling it Man Church. Man Church. Now look at me, man. And, and I'm, I'm kind of half being silly, but I'm half not. Sometimes dudes just need to be together. And sometimes your wife just needs you away from her, okay? But listen to me. 
There's something special, and I believe this with all my heart. I think God honors it when men come together and look upward and go, God, we, we want to know you more. And that's what Man Church is going to be about, right? So, so get signed up for that. Um, we have these things called Man Night. And, and lady night, ladies night, and we do crazy things like men, we'll go to Fox and Hound or Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a game, or we're working on a fall camp out for men. Ladies, they're, they're doing painting stuff and, and all these other things. For, these are ways for you to get connected, but also watch for you to reach people that don't go to church and invite them to. So, so go with me here for a minute. There are people that you work out with at the gym that live in your neighborhood and that sit in the office right by you. And, and listen to me, they are not ready to come here on a Sunday morning. But if you go, hey, some dudes I know are playing fantasy football, that might be the door in. You follow me? They might not come here, ladies, but if you go, hey, we're doing a painting party, uh, one of those deals, hey, I'll come to that. It's a way for you to reach out and love other people. And then we're starting something new this fall called Bridge Night Out. And it's going to take place on Halloween. And so everybody pause for a minute. Look at me. Save your Halloween feelings. Okay? If you're a Halloween hater, we're not, we're not worshiping Satan here. Okay? We're, not, we're not saying that Halloween is part of the church. Okay? We're not saying that. But here's a fact. Listen to me. You're not going to disagree with what I'm saying. Here's what we've discovered, and we found this true last year, and we did it kind of informally last year, but this year we're doing it formally. Halloween is one of the very, maybe the only night left in America where people actually get out in their neighborhood and walk around. And they talk to their neighbors. And it's like this, okay, this is the one night of the year where it's cool to talk to each other. All the other nights... Hurry and close your garage door before someone says something to you. And we just don't think that's what Jesus has called us to. Right? And so here's what we want you to do on Halloween night this year. Especially, listen to me, especially you guys that live in neighborhoods where the trick-or-treaters are out, where the houses are close together and there are lots of families there. We want to encourage you to get out. Set up camp in your driveway. Don't wait for them to ring the doorbell like... Put the fire pit out there. Put a sound system out there. Do whatever. Dress up. Whatever it takes. Invite other people. Like my neighborhood, it's a bunch of old people and we don't have trick-or-treaters. I think the first year we moved here, we had one. And that was it. I was like, I hugged the little kid. I, you know, he was like, Mommy! You know, or whatever. And I'm like, yes, we had a trick-or-treater. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you, we don't go to our neighborhood. We're coming to some of your neighborhoods so that we can be out in the community getting to know people and letting them know not all Christians are weirdos and racists. Right? Bridge night out. Now, flip that little, grab that little flyer and flip it over because on the back there's this, there's this thing called Acts. Now, listen to me. If you for, there's no quiz on, on this, okay? Don't worry. If you forget this, it's fine. This is really more for our staff than you, but I want to show you that there's some intent behind what we're doing. When I was growing up in church, it was all about Sunday school, right? Anybody heard those words before? And it was like, hey, go and memorize verses and study the Bible, and, and we think that's valuable. But we think life groups, gathering together, can be so much more than that. And so we've, we've designed this acrostics called ACTS, okay? A-C-T-S. And it represents the four types of groups that we offer here at the bridge, and we want to continue to grow and offer. The A is for access. It gives access for people 
to this body of Christ. It gives access for people that don't know Jesus to have access to Jesus. It's outreach groups. They are unashamedly not Bible studies. We are not trying to do this. We have a fishing group. Uh, Jay Boone's going to take guys fishing. That's a life group. Listen, they may talk about God while they're fishing. They may not. In fact, while they're fishing, somebody may say a bad word, right? Because, like, they got angry because the fish didn't stay on the line or whatever. That's okay. It counts. It's a life group, right? At our house, on Wednesday nights, after our life group, we watch Survivor. Yes, Survivor is still on, okay? It's like 30 years now, and we love it. And there's nothing spiritual about it. We don't pray. The only time we pray is at the finale for the person that we want to win. That's when we pray, okay? And, and listen, uh, fantasy football, ladies' night, man, these are all access. They give people access to us as a church and to Jesus Christ as their Savior. You follow me? Okay, the C is community. It means doing life together. That's your 2 o'clock in the morning friends. That's people that will lock arms with you and walk you through the darkest moments of your life. Yes, they'll probably do Bible study, but listen to me, more than knowledge, it's about doing life together. Okay? And then we have training groups, and these groups are intensive. It's like financial peace. Next spring, we're going to offer a, a, a class called SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, where you discover how God's created you and what He wants you to do with your life. It may, we may one day do Experiencing God or some other Bible studies. These are training groups where people are going, man, I want to do some homework, I want to go deep, I want to get to know the Word of God, that kind of group. Those are training groups. And then the S is serving groups. And just as a quick example, uh, next Sunday when you go out there to the tents, there's going to be one that says Meals Ministry. It's our version of Meals on Wheels. And what we do is when people in our church or beyond, they don't have to be a part of the bridge, they could be just somebody somebody knows in our community. When life falls on top of them and crumbles around them, one of the easy things that we can do, and there's nothing fancy about it, is that this service group, the people that are in this thing and connected to this thing, man, they mobilize online and they sign up and they take people meals. Like the most simple thing that you could do for somebody. But if you've been the recipient of that, like I have, you know it speaks loudly to people, right? So A-C-T-S, access, community, training, and service. Those are the kind of life groups. Now, if you forget all that, great. Don't forget this. Look at me. Don't do life alone. Other people need you, right? You need other people. And the last thing I'm going to talk about today are these little bands that you came in with, okay? Or were in your chair when you came in today. And let me explain why it says this on there. It says, say something, right? We did this last year again, kind of informally, and this year we're going to do it formally. I am encouraging everybody to take one of these home. Okay, now I'm holding a smaller version. The, the version we put in your chairs is a, an adult regular size, but if you're small or you have a kid who wants one, at the Get Connected table when we're done today, there are these little ones that you can pick up for your little ones or your little wrist. Uh, and, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to wear it. Okay, It's not a guilt trip. Look at me. It's a reminder. It's a reminder to say something. When you get home today and your neighbor's out in the yard, say something. When you get to work tomorrow and you know that person at your work has been struggling and going through a really dark time in your life, say something. Say something. You don't have to have all the answers. Just say something. 
Even if you go over and you're like the Will Ferrell of Christians and you're bumbling your words and you don't know and none of it makes sense and your tongue swells or whatever, all that kind of stuff, right? Just say something. When you go to the gym or your, your kids' ball games or whatever, listen to me. Start next Sunday. This is our fall kickoff. The fall is a time of year where people all around you, if they've had any exposure to Jesus Christ at all, let me tell you what they're saying right now. Well, school year's starting. You know, we ought to get back in church. We, uh, man, we, they're already thinking that. Even people that don't go to church. Now, this season of, of the year is a great time to say, hey, come check us out. Come and see. That's all, that's all I ask you to do. Come and decide for yourself. Our, our pastor should probably be on medications, and actually he is, but that's not your business. But, but like, people at our church are real. They deal with real problems. But listen, people at my church will love you for real. And just invite them. You don't have to share the gospel. You don't have to have a track. In fact, please don't do that. Like, please don't shoot your gospel shotgun at people and then tell them, by the way, I'll go to the Bridge Fellowship. Don't do that, please. Love them. Just say something. Start this weekend. And listen, I'm not just talking about next week. Don't, don't get in the habit building up just for next Sunday. Invite them next Sunday. But make this a part of your life. Wear it for the rest of the year. Make a commitment to wear this all the way to Christmas. And see if God doesn't bring people across your paths and the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to your heart and go, say something. Just say something. Say, hey, you okay? Hey, can I help in some way? Hey, do you go to church anywhere? Nobody's going to hit you in the face. Say something. What are we supposed to do here on earth? What in the heck are we here for? Two things. Love God. Love and reach other people. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful that 32 years ago somebody said something to me. Even though I made fun of them and I said no a bunch of times, they kept saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? God, we can't control their response, but we can control how much we reach out. So my prayer, starting with me, God, is that you will convict us this week to say something. God, that you'll prepare our hearts all week that right after church next Sunday that we will walk out these doors, go to a tent, sign up for a life group, sign up for a serving team, and get involved and connect with other people so we have people to do this life with. And God, all of it directs back at you. We are not here for our own entertainment or for our own accolades or acquisitions. We are here to love and adore you, God. And we do that because you loved us first. And God, not, not with a small kind of love, but with an extravagant love. You poured it out on us, God. You, you went way above and beyond. You sent your only Son to take our place for the bad things that we have and ever will do. You did it because you love us. So God, speak to our hearts. Let these words stay with us all week long and convict us all week long for the rest of this year, God, to say something. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.